Bibles tonight to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're looking at the Word of God this evening. We appreciate <clears throat> the wonderful truth of the hymns and the special and it's always so wonderful how timely the instruction in psalms and hymns are in our lives. And it is sweet to trust the Lord. And it's far sweeter than to fit, try and figure things out in your mind and to try and line your ducks up in a row. And we're confronted with things every day. And the answer is always, trust the Lord. We're going to look tonight at the subject of the Word of God is. The Word of God is. We noted last week some things about the Word of God. And you know God's Word, one of the things that just really, really stuck with me and has for a number of years, not always like it should, because as the Bible says, there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. But one of the things that stuck with me was the authoritativeness of God's Word. It is the authority of it. And I remember, and this was last Wednesday's, I remember in high school uh, telling my mother that I was going to get a big old steer skull tattoo on my bicep. And this was after I was saved. And she said, oh no you're not. And I says, well, how come? And she said, go get your Bible. And just turn over, if you would, to... Uh, <clears throat> I think it's in, if I remember, in Leviticus. And I'd have to look it up, so never mind. But she showed me where the Bible says that you're not supposed to print upon your skin or to cut yourself for the dead. And, and you know, and, and, and God gave me grace to not say, well, that's in the Old Testament. A lot of people think that today, don't they? they? Say, well, that's in the Old Testament. Well, that's what Jesus had. And, and you know, when people say, well, that's in the Old Testament, what they're saying is, is that's, that's not really a part of the Scriptures. That, that's what they're saying. But God's Word is authoritative over our lives. And, and to, to, to hear what God has to say and to disregard it and that it, it doesn't have any authority over us, He's not telling us what to do, is, is not going to end well for anybody. So we want to understand that. And, and I could go on with examples in my life when I disregarded God's authority and it ended sadly, badly, and injuriously. But God in grace restores. But tonight we want to look at the Word of God is in Deuteronomy 8 and verse 3. Let's back up to verse 1. The book of Deuteronomy, Moses is going over the commandments to the next generation. They've wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. The next generation has come up. He's instructing them. 
in the ways of the Lord that were given unto the people of God in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. Deuteronomy literally means the second law or the second book. And I remember going in a study that Dad taught. We went Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And I remember by the time you got to Deuteronomy, you were saying, you know, I remember that. But I don't remember it very clearly. Boy, God has to go over things with us again and again and again. And so here He is with His people, and in verse 1, He says, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do. Now notice that. Shall ye observe to do. Not if you feel like it, but this is what you're going to do. Comma, that ye may live. <coughs> Excuse me. And we need to understand here that Christ came to give us life and life more abundantly. You see, abundant life is found in doing what God says. That's where abundant life is found. It's not found in the things of this world. It's not found in doctrine of you know, Joel Osteen's doctrine. That's not an abundant life. Abundant life is not storing up your treasures here on this earth. Abundant life is found in obedience under the Word of God. Then he says, "...and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers." Verse 2, "...and thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep His commandments or no. And He humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that, ye might make, that He might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live." And so we want to look at what God's Word is. We, You and I are living in a world, and the world's always been this way, but we live in a world that does not find God's written Word to be very useful. We sat down today with a, a financial meeting opportunity within, within work today, and you know the individual, he's trying to sell us something, and this is all the reason why you need this and you got to have this and you know this great catastrophe could happen and and you know you fell and you broke your rib and if you'd have had this supplemental insurance you know you could have had all this extra money and I looked at him square in the face and I said and I said do you know that one day you're going to die are you prepared for that because there is no supplemental insurance for death. But there is assurance of eternal life in Jesus Christ. And you know, I went on and began to tell the individual, I says, you know, it's funny, you want to sell me a bunch of stuff. I says, but God's Word says over here that I'm not supposed to take thought for tomorrow. And He says in the model prayer that give us this day our daily bread. And he says in another passage of Scripture how that 
He takes care of His. Even the very hairs on my head are numbered. And if this sparrow or this bird is such of great importance, and it is, how much more is His child? Boy, isn't it something? When you sit down and you really look at what God's Word says, and you speak these things to the world, they have no use for them. They have zero use for the Word of God. It might as well be Greek to them as the expression. But a child of God, the only thing we have use for in this world is the Word of God. The Scriptures declare just how useful the Word of God is. Our text verse says, Man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. As I understand it, this is saying you don't live only by bread, but you do live only by the Word of God. Because there's not one area, and I've reiterate this time and again, because it's always true, there's not one area of our life that God's Word does not pertain to and does not touch. Every aspect, every facet... It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter what your gender is. God's Word tells us what God would have us to do in every situation. And Sister Crowder, she sang that hymn, summed it up. We need to trust Him. Not take things into our own hands. Not say, well, yeah, God says this, but... You know, whenever you and I say but, it's usually not very good. It's usually contradictory of what God says. God's Word is so useful. It governs our lives. It ought to. So I want to note this evening five things that God's Word is likened unto in the Word of God and show how useful it is. And I'll... I'll give you all five of them, and then we'll come back and look at each one. But first of all, God's Word is likened unto a lamp and a light in the Word of God. A lamp and a light. Secondly, it's likened unto water. Thirdly, it's likened unto a fire. Fourthly, it's likened unto a hammer. Fifthly, it's likened unto a sword. So first of all, tonight, God's Word is likened unto a lamp and a light. So let's turn over, if you would, to a very familiar passage of Scripture, the 119th Psalm. (coughs) Excuse me. Verse 105. Psalm 119, verse 105. Very, very fresh, very recently read. We find here, and this is, you know, this is one of the ones that You'll often find uh, some scripture memorization or in a card or, or, or something. Well, this is uh, one of the verses that's used a lot by folks today. And he says in the 119th Psalm, verse 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, you'll notice here, and this is the psalmist who's writing this. This is David. You see, God's Word is a lamp unto my feet 
and a light unto my path. It's not that for everybody. But it is for those who are saved by the grace of God. It is that. Now, does it mean that we always use it as such? That's what it is. We have certain things that are dedicated for certain things at home. In Kansas, we had wood laminate floor throughout the house. And Cassie, she'd mop the floor with, with, her, with a mop. And then we got to, when she started selling Norwich, she had the Norwich mop. And there'd be some things, you know, we got kids and you'd get stickers or something that just wouldn't come right off the floor. She had a spatula that was dedicated for scraping the stickers off the floor. You didn't cook with it. Well, nobody would have used a spatula for that. You know, you use a spatula for flipping food and stirring things. Well, what I'm trying to get at is this. The Bible says that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light on my path. That's what it is. But we don't always use it for that. Just like a spatula. You might not always use it for food. You know, sometimes we like to use God's Word like Job's friends to cut other people down. I don't know why we'd want to do that when we're supposed to edify or build one another up on our most holy faith. But thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Both of these signify the usage of light so that we may see. You see, you can't, you can't see in the dark. The Bible tells us that the natural condition of every man is that he is in darkness. In John chapter 3 and in verse 19, the Bible tells us that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. He said, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You see, that's the natural condition of man. He's in darkness. Well, you can't see anything in darkness. I don't know if you've ever been in total, utter darkness. We've been in a couple different caverns and they've shut the lights off. And you know you'll fall over. You can't stand up in utter darkness and your body loses all sense of everything. And you'll start stumbling over. But it's utter, complete darkness. That's man's sinful condition. And the Bible says that God's Word is like a lamp and a light. You see, it's God's Word that shows man his true condition of sin. He can't see it because he can't see anything because it's a darkness. It's similar to that darkness that came there in Egypt where it can be felt. It's so dark. Look over in Matthew chapter 4 if you would. Matthew chapter 4. <clears throat> and notice if you would, beginning at verse 12. Here we find the living Word. And the living Word and the written Word have 
so much about them that are so similar because they're the same, the same Word of God, aren't they? And here we find Christ. And it says in verse 12, Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, He departed into Galilee and leaving Nazareth, He came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast, in the borders of Zebulon and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness... You see, they weren't running in darkness. They were sitting in it. They were sat down, comfortable, had grown roots, perfectly content. And they'd been there a while. All their lives. The people that sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region in shadow of death, light is sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, it's only by the Word of God that men know their true need of a Savior and their true condition of sin. It's only through the preaching of, Thus saith the Lord, that lost sinners become aware. And again, we understand that the Lord has to do His work. But He uses the Word of God to do it. And you read, spend a couple days and read through the book of Acts, you'll not find a single person saved apart from the preaching of God's Word. We find here again that the Word of God is used to show sinners their lost and true condition. And it happens in such a miraculous and supernatural way. How is it that we can preach, whether here formally in a pulpit, or in our homes worshiping, in our family altars, or whether it be street preaching, or whatever it may be, declaring to someone that we work with or come across in the street about sin and what God's Word says, and God pricks their heart. I don't know. I don't know how He does it. But I know that God's Word reveals the need of salvation in Christ Jesus. It reveals the true condition of sin to them that are lost. But it also reveals unto us who are saved, it is our guide throughout our lives. You see, it's a light and a lamp, isn't it? Turn over to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. And notice, if you would, verse 23. Boy, isn't it something? And you read in God's Word, and you read what His Word says, and we need to understand that all of God's Word is a commandment. We need to understand that all of God's Word is His law. Because... These are declarative statements by God. And so the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 23, it says, For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. You see, these things here are the way of life. We have the commandment as a lamp, and the law is light. 
His Word is that which guides and governs us through this evil, present evil world. It is a world of darkness, both literal and figurative. The world is full of deception and falsehood, evil in its teachings. The world says you cannot trust the Lord. The world tells us that we must do things differently than what God's Word says. But the Word of God is a light and a lamp that reveals to us how to go about this world, how to tend to all of the things that we will encounter. The lamp is kindled especially for the hours of darkness. You see, life is so full of perils. We cannot trust our own eyesight. So we must use the light of God's Word. Look over in 1 John chapter 1, if you would. 1 John chapter 1. And notice here, there's such a contrast today. You know, you're either walking in light or walking in darkness. Now we know that the lost, they're sitting in darkness. But the saved, we're either walking in light or we're walking in darkness. And if we're walking in darkness, we have no fellowship with Christ. And if we're walking in light, then we have fellowship with Him. And that's where we ought to want to be, is in fellowship with Christ. And in 1 John chapter 1, and verse 5, it says, This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you, that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. A marvelous teaching of how God's Word is a light. As one writer put it better than I, to live our lives contrary to God's Word is to walk in darkness. I mean, it, it can't be any simpler than that. But to live our lives in agreement with God's Word, having it govern our thoughts, govern our words, govern our deeds, is to walk in light. No wonder God refers unto His Word as a lamp and a light. Secondly, we find if you'll turn over to <clears throat> Ephesians 5, the book of Ephesians chapter 5, we find here that God refers unto His Word. He likens it unto water. He likens it unto water. And boy, this is time and again throughout the Scriptures that God's Word is likened unto water. And there's other things that God likens unto water. But here we find in verse 26 that God refers unto the Word of God as water. And let's back up to verse 25. He says, Husbands, let your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. And he begins to describe how Christ gave Himself for the church. And, and we know He did it at Calvary, but here we see in verse 26 a present tense 
of His giving, He says that He might sanctify and cleanse it. That is, cleanse His church. Even the Bible Baptist Church, a plant city, He cleanses it. What does He use to cleanse it? With a washing of water by the Word. See, you can't cleanse something apart from water. Throughout Scriptures, water is used. Water is used uh, there when the priest, and they had to do washings and different things that were done. In the Old Testament, it all spoke of cleansing. <coughs> Excuse me. It all spoke of a sanctification, a setting apart. And here we find that the Spirit of the Lord uses the Word of God to cleanse us, His church, His people, to set us apart for His service. We just recently read in the 119th Psalm in verse 9. It says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. See, a young man cannot cleanse his way. He's an old man, a young woman, a young old woman. Their way cannot be cleansed if they do not take heed to the word of God. You might hear it. You might read it. But that's not taking heed to it. When we take heed to something, you surrender to it. And the Bible doesn't say, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways by hearing God's Word or reading it. But it says, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Oh, we take heed to a whole lot of things. We surrender to a whole bunch of stuff. We surrender to our own fleshly lusts. Well, we ought to surrender to the word of God. No, God's word is likened unto water. Lost sinners must be made clean. The filth of sin has defiled the sinner, and it is the word of God which cleanses lost sinners and makes them clean. And if you turn over to John chapter 13, we'll find how that God using His Word, how He also cleanses His saints. You know, you and I, you walk around in this world and you're going to get some of it on you. It can't, it can't help it. And here in John chapter 13, Jesus taught His disciples, He taught His church <coughs> by using the illustration of washing their feet. And there's many things He taught here. We'll not be able to bring them all out this evening. But you'll notice how that the Bible tells us <coughs> In verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things to His hands and that He was come from God and went to God, He rises from supper and laid aside His garments and took a towel and girded Himself. After that, He poureth what? Water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith He was girded. Then cometh He to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not, but thou shalt know hereafter. 
Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. And boy, that's, that is the heart set of a lot of so-called church members, a lot of so-called saved people, but they won't allow Jesus to wash their feet. And not because they think He's too good for it, but because they don't think they need it. He says here, you look and you read, and He says, Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Boy, isn't that something? If we're not being cleansed and washed with the Word of God, we have no part with Christ. Do you understand that? Do we understand the great seriousness of that which Christ was teaching about God's Word cleansing us from our sins? And He says, if this isn't happening, you don't have any part with Me. How in the world can we come into the house of God three, four times a week and walk out as if nothing ever happened? We don't get in our showers or in our baths and get out smelling the same as we did when we got in. But we'll come into the church services and leave as if nothing ever happened. Maybe it's because we don't have any part with Him. And we need to be washed and cleansed from our sin in the first place. Jesus goes on, and you'll notice Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. See, we don't need to be saved again and again and again, but we do need to have our feet washed again and again and again and again. Now, this is a great picture of what Christ does. And how He brings out the great teaching of the Word of God and how He cleanses the church of God with a washing of water by the Word. Thirdly, if you look over to Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23. God's Word is likened unto a fire. And I, I can't tell you how many sermons as a lost person sat in a pew round about over here on the right hand side three quarters of the way to the back and just God's Word was declared and it would just burn me up because I knew of my lost condition. In Jeremiah 23 in verse 29, God's Word says, Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? We're only going to deal with the fire right now. The Bible tells us that Jesus also said in Luke 12 and verse 29, Jesus said, I am come to send fire on the earth. Deuteronomy 33 and verse 2 the law of God is stated to have been a fiery law. A fiery law. God's Word is likened 
three times in Scripture as to a fire. At least three. Now, fire is used for different things. And it has different properties. And it has different effects depending on the subject and the substance of which it is used upon. If you put fire to clay, what happens? It becomes hard, doesn't it? That's why they take clay and they put it in a kiln. And that pot that they made, it becomes hard, doesn't it? You take fire and you put it on wax. What happens to that wax? It melts. So the same fire will do different things to different substances. So God's Word will do different things to you and I and different parts and aspects of our lives because it's a fire. Fire speaks of judgment to the lost sinner. God's Word is judgment of their sins. If you're here tonight without Christ, you don't need to question or wonder. The Bible says you're already condemned. You're already condemned. God's Word is in judgment of the sins and it manifests how sinful sin really is. Yet you know, fire also saves, doesn't it? Saved by fire. Fire produces light and warmth all of which is needful for salvation. God's Word not only warns sinners of their sinful condition, but it also acts as a light as the fire does to point them to Jesus Christ who has already been judged for sin. God's people. Look over and hold here in Jeremiah 23 and look in Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. You know, fire is a very interesting thing. And to you and I who are saved by God's grace, the Word of God is used to purify us by burning off all the impurities. You see, the same fire burns the dross and purifies the gold, doesn't it? It's the same fire. God puts you and I into His fiery furnace, and as the songwriter said, the flame is not intended to hurt thee. His only design is thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. And Isaiah 1 and verse 25, And I will... Boy, that's assurance, isn't it? That's a promise of God, isn't it? God said, I will turn my hand upon thee and purely purge away thy dross. Take away all thy tin. As I understand it, tin is a mixture of metals or a mixture of things. He says, I'm going to purify you. You're not going to be a mixture. 
You're going to be something that's pure. So he's going to use his word to that end. Fourthly, if you'll turn back to Jeremiah 23, we read it. But God's word is likened unto a hammer. In Jeremiah 23 and verse 29, Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? You know, I, I don't know if you've ever been to a, a, a store lately where they sell hammers, but if, if they do, there's about a hundred or more different kinds of hammers. I mean, you got sledge hammers, you got uh, framing hammers, you've got roofing hammers, you've got you know uh, all kinds of roofing and framing hammers, you got ball peen hammers, you got just all kinds of hammers. And God's word is likened unto every one of them. See, every one of those hammers is used specifically for a specific purpose, for a specific job. You're not going to take a ball-peen hammer and go out and frame a wall. At least I hope you wouldn't. You'd be there a while. But God's Word is a hammer of every kind. And it's in His hand. See, He can sit here and tap on it. We used to have, or we've still got, well, my parents got it. Dad had his hammer when he worked construction. And, and, I mean, as a kid, you just stood in awe of that hammer. And then in the house, we had the one, you know, little screwdriver in it, and then it had the 15 other little screwdrivers in it. And that thing was neat. But God's hammer is for every situation in it. And notice what he says that it does. That breaketh the rock in pieces. Boy, that's me, isn't it? If you're here without Christ, the Bible says that you have a heart of stone. You read that in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, that you have a stony heart. God said, I'm going to take that stony heart away and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. You know what He uses to break the stony heart? Word of God. God's Word is used to break up hardened stones. God uses it to break you and I time and again. Now you'll notice last of all that God's Word is likened unto a sword. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. In verse 12. A sword is used for defending oneself as well as for attacking. The Word of God defends God's people against the onslaught and attacks of the world, the flesh, and the devil. What did Jesus use when Satan came after Him? What did Jesus use when the religious leaders of His day questioned Him? What did Jesus use when His disciples 
questioned him. Always the Word of God. Always. The Bible says in Hebrews 4 and verse 12, For the Word of God is quick. That word quick is just like the one in Ephesians 2 verse 1. It means to make alive or to be living. For the Word of God is living. One, I heard one preacher at a conference. I, 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 there's sometimes you hear some people say stuff and you just scratch your head and say, Oh me. But he said God's Word, it's, it's quick. It, it gets in there and it gets out before the sinner knows what happens. And I said, What? I couldn't believe my ears. But God's Word is living and powerful. You know, I was looking about how that Jesus, when He preached, they said He spoke with authority. I don't think it meant that He spoke authoritatively. I think it means that He spoke with heaven-sent power as far as He declared what God's Word said. That's powerful, the Word of God. That's the only thing that will take a dead sinner and make him alive. And that's the only thing that will move a child of God is the Word of God. It's powerful. And then he says, and sharper than any two-edged sword. Boy, even the martyrs wielded this sword in opposition to the physical sword, didn't they? And they were victorious. Hebrews 11 tells us. No, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. You know, the physical sword can't do that, can it? But the Word of God can. And you know, the same fire that I told you is a lost sinner, I'd sit and it just burned me. Well, after the Lord saved me and God was preaching, that same fire hit you in the same pew after God saved you. And the same piercing that God's Word gave you when you were lost and you heard about how you were sinful and you were under the penalty of sin and you were against God and on the road to hell. And then when you're saved, that sword still pricks, doesn't it? It still cuts down to the bone. It still pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And I sat in a pew and I would go to Dad and I'd say, Dad, how did you know what was going on in my life? And he said, I didn't have a clue what you're talking about. Well, the Bible says, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Don't you think God's Word knows all about you? And don't you think the Spirit of God knows all about you? And don't you think that the sovereign God of this universe takes His Word and it pierces, as the Bible says here, the, the uh, piercing and the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart. Oh, God knows all about it. Boy, I've sat there in a the pew and I've been in a pulpit and I've been in my study 
and I've been at a table studying, and God's Word is discerning the thoughts and intents of my heart. And it's a glorious thing. It's a very fearful thing too. It's a very trembling thing. God's Word is there in the thoughts and intents of our hearts. So here is the Word of God. You see, God's Word is so very, very useful. Especially when it's in the hand of the Lord. We're, we're, we're bumbling swordsmen at best. But He is a master swordsman, isn't He? He is so skillful. I mean, He has the hands of a surgeon when it comes to His Word. You think about some some of the fires that uh, we've had an opportunity to talk to some of these wildlife management people and they, they set fires and they know say, we're going to set it here this is what it's going to do. And, and they're correct a lot of times. And it's done on purpose to burn the underbrush. God knows how to set a fire, where to set a fire, where it's going to go 100% of the time. He knows exactly what He's doing with His Word. And that's something. And it's not just when we assemble as a church, but tomorrow morning when you get up and hit the Word of God or tomorrow evening when you get home and you open up the Word of God and you sit down and you read it and you study it, God knows what He's doing that day with His Word. And He's going to use it as a lamp and a light, as water, as fire, as a hammer, and as a sword in your life. And if He's not, we ought to ask Him to. We ought to ask Him to be doing that. If you're here and without Christ, God's Word is all of these things toward them. If you're here and you're saved, it's all of these things toward us, just in a different fashion. So we thank God for His Word. Thank God that He has condescended unto us in giving us His Word. So while we stand, we'll have a word of prayer.